Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. All right, let's go to the book of Hebrews. Now, we have done a very extensive study in this book. as We have a whole series that we did in Hebrews on Wednesday night. So tonight, due to our Route 66 series that we're in, now we've come to the book of Hebrews, and we're going to do a snapshot of it tonight. But I've got some good things to get to you tonight. Um, and we're going to look over a few places in this book. But I wanted to just let you guys know that, uh, I don't know, I think it's something as good has happened to me. I used to just um, crastinate, but I got so good at it, I'm a pro now. Thank Okay. You're welcome. I didn't even have my friend Brian laugh. It must have been really bad. It must have been... He understands it because he procrastinates his laughs. There it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, really, I, I want to just give you um, a little insight into this great book. The, the book of Hebrews is such a, such a powerful book. It's such a lofty book. It's uh, heavy in theology and teaches us about the blood of Jesus and what that means for us and the main purpose, I believe, of this epistle is to establish Christianity and our relationship now to God through Jesus Christ as superior to living by the law. Um, the writer of this book exalts the superiority of Christ uh, uh, over angels, over Moses, over Joshua, over the prophets, over the whole Levitical priesthood. It puts him as reigning superior. And um, it also makes a contrast between the tabernacle and its sacrifices and the sacrifice of Jesus, the once-for-all sacrifice. And he warnly, he warnly, strongly warns the, the Christian Jews, the Hebrews, uh, to remain faithful to this Christian, the Christ, to Christianity and that they only accept Jesus' blood. They don't have to go do these animal sacrifices or atone for their sins now. Jesus has fixed that deal. Amen. Hey, listen, I, I don't want us to be... Uh, to think, well, that's ridiculous. To, I mean, it is ridiculous, but, but to just point our fingers at people and say, Yo, why would you continue to do that when Jesus' blood has cleansed us from all our sin? But hey, we come up with our own sacrificial systems. We come up with our own sacrificial system, and one of the common things that is fl- that is diseased the church, not this church, because you guys know better, is this need to confess all my sins before I go to sleep every night. And set up a man-made sacrificial system so that we can get in good graces with God. Because just in case we don't wake up, you know, you never know. You never know. So i got to make sure everything's right. Hey, you can't ever make sure everything's right. If you're dependent on yourself, I want to invite you to come to know a man by the name of Jesus Christ who made everything right for you. Yeah. You were powerless to make things right. All of us were. So God chose to not leave us powerless, to not leave us helpless. He became a man. Hallelujah. He became a man. He became like us because he knew we could not be like him because we were broken by this condition of sin. It wasn't our actions that was the problem. The actions were just the result of the condition. 
You're not a sinner because you sin. You're a sinner because you're born. Welcome to planet Earth, sinner. That's your first entrance into the world as a sinner. It's not a great start. Thank you, Adam. And Adam did all that. His one sin, death came to all men. But thank God for the last Adam who came. Praise God. And because of his righteous act, because Jesus died for your sins, because he was buried and because he rose again from the dead, now you can have a right relationship with God totally based on the merits of Jesus Christ. You can rest in him and not think that you've got to do things and perform for God and try to make things right and get everything right uh, and come up with your own system instead of trusting in the wonderful pristine, powerful blood of Jesus that has taken away all your sins. I'm telling you, people make it a whole religion. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. What if you forget one? I mean, you're, you're tough luck for you. If you couldn't remember all the sins and, and you think it's all about needing to confess your sins to get right with God, let me tell you, you confess. Here's, what, here's our confession of sin at One Cause Church. Christ died for my sins. That's my confession. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that. Hmm? that'll set you free and it'll it'll really help you clear the windshield if you will to see things as they really are we totally trust in Jesus we don't trust in ourselves huh how many of you are holding out for grace here today hey we don't want karma I don't want what's coming to me (laughs) that's why I got in Jesus Hallelujah, and all my sins were washed away, and the old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And I'm telling you, I came to know him at five years old, and you couldn't believe the kind of stuff I had done by the age of five. I needed to be redeemed. Hmm? (laughs) Not, Not to mention the things done since then. But his blood covered all of our sins. The writer is writing to specifically Jewish Christians. But there are things that we can learn from this because of uh, the context of this book is about Jesus. And it's about this covenant that we have through him, through his blood. All of us, all of us needed, needed that blood to wash away our sins. It wasn't just the Jews. But there are very specific things that, that the writer of this book is trying to get across. And he sets this up as a, as a wonderful argument, if you will, um, to the Jewish Christian to s- help them see the superiority of Christ and stop holding these types and shadows up as the utmost when they are all just pointing to Jesus. He's the substance of all of it. His sacrifice is once for all. Hallelujah. It's all you need. Amen. So uh, that's who's writing to. Now, the author is really unknown. Uh, even though when you read the book of Hebrews, you could swear it's Paul writing it. But when you read Paul's letters, he makes sure to let you know when he's writing those letters. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, right? I mean, that's how he opens his letters, or somewhere along the way, he says, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. But this book has no mention of him anywhere. There's a hint of it because he says to remember his chains. So we know this person is in prison or has been in prison and we, we know that this is probably written from Italy because it says those from Italy greet you. Uh, so it, it looks to be, it could be Paul, but there's no name on it. That's the, that's the mystery here. Why didn't Paul put his name on this book? I mean, if he's going to put it on any of, any of them, Hebrews for sure. But it's not there. So I believe it could have been Apollos, maybe Timothy. My dad heard, holds his personal opinion that it was, a, that it was Priscilla. He believes that a woman wrote it, 
but knowing how the culture was then, that a woman's writing would not be deemed scripture because they were not seen in that way. So possibly she kept her name off of it. Who knows? Ultimately, we do know this. The Holy Spirit wrote it. All right? The whole, this is the Holy Spirit. This is God breathed and used somebody to do it. It's certainly Pauline in its, in its, in its writing. So it's not even worth arguing about because at the end of the day, none of us know. The date of this book is somewhere around AD 60. Um, and uh, in this book, we see Christ is greater than the prophets and the angels in chapters 1 and 2. We see he's greater than Moses and Joshua in chapters 3 and 4. We see he's greater than the, uh, than the Levitical priesthood through Aaron, uh, chapters 5 through 8. Christ's new covenant is greater than the old covenant, chapters 8 through 10. And faith in Christ is greater than living by the law in chapters 11 through 13. There you go. There's the book. Good night, everybody. Uh, y'all got excited there for a moment. I know you did. No, but uh, so it's just so powerful. And so I want to I encourage you maybe just the next two or three days to spend a little time in Hebrews, all right? Maybe along with your regular Bible reading, spend some time in Hebrews. And I would I recommend especially beginning in chapter 8 and going forward. But I want to just talk about for a moment the attraction here. The main theme of this book can be found in the opening verses. Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to read the verse, first four verses. God, I love the way it opens up. God who at various times and in various ways spoken time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days, is that, the, is that these days? Okay, so this is where we are. Has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself, everybody say by himself, purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Verse 4, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So this opens up, and this is what I'm saying, he shocks the reader with this statement. He shocks the reader. God had spoken time past by the prophets, but now he's speaking to us through one person. And it's through his son, Jesus Christ. He's the final answer from God. In other words, he's saying those were a bunch of verses, but Jesus is the chorus of the song. <laughs> I said this to say him. I said this to say him. I said this to... You know, songwriters know what I'm talking about? Hmm? you got to say this so that you can say this. Now, most of the people don't know the words to that part of the song, right? The part that you know is the chorus of the song. You'll hum along, you'll make up your own words to songs and don't even care what the words are until you hit, get to the chorus. I came in like a wrecking ball. Now, you don't know anything before that, right? But you know the chorus. <laughs> so, because there are avenues, there are avenues that are getting you to the point. And so all of these prophets, the prophetic utterances, the types and the shadows were all to point to Jesus, the final answer from God. Hallelujah. He's the hook. He's the main thing. And Hebrews chapter 12, listen to this. I just want you to see just the way this, this author puts words together in, in these descriptive terms. It's just glorious. For you have not come to the mountain 
that may be touched and be burned with fire into blackness and darkness and tempest. Now, what he's talking about is, I mean, that's all uh, daunting, isn't it? But he's talking about this mountain where God wanted the children of Israel to come up to him. They had been set, they brought them out of Egypt. Remember the 10 plagues and all the miracles? And they finally got them out of them. Pharaoh said, get out. So they get out there and then God descends down upon this mountain and it's lightning and thunder and black smoke, the scripture says. And, and he's calling them all up on the mountain. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I, I don't know what I would be like. I'm just saying I'm, I can understand their trepidation here or their hesitance. Uh, you want us to go up in that? So this is what they said, Moses, why don't you go and you just talk to him and, uh, and, and, and we would like this from God. This is what we'd like. We'd like a to-do list and then we'll be good or a to-not-do list. Whatever God comes up with, that's fine. We'll do everything he says to do. So Moses shows up by himself. God wanted all of them. Moses shows up. God says, they want what? Yeah, they'd like a to-do list or to not-do list. Okay. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall not make any graven images. You should, uh, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long on the earth. Uh, you shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie. You shall not covet other people's stuff. Simple enough? Yeah, ten, that's it. Ten rules. Yeah, that's it. Take it down there. Those people couldn't keep those rules to save their lives. Because that's not what God wanted. He didn't want to be a God that regulated a system of laws, of rules. But now it had become necessary to do. Not his ultimate will. But when Jesus said, when Jesus came, he said, Behold, I come in the volume of the book to do your will. Wow, Jesus showed us what was really in God's heart. So this is that mountain that's talking. This is not what you've come to now because of Jesus. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burn with fire and the blackness and darkness and tempest, verse 19, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so, much as a beast touches the mountain, it should be stone, shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. Now God said, okay, you don't want to come here? Then you can't even touch the mountain. And if your animal happens to walk by and graze the rock on the mountain, your animal's going to die. You want distance? I'll show you distance. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid. Even Moses was up there, and yet he was still very scared. Look at verse 22. But you have come, thank God, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Boy, that just got real good, didn't it? This is your reality now. This is your experience. This is what Jesus has brought you, a new covenant. He's brought you to the church of the firstborn. Hallelujah. You're a part of something alive. And wonderful. It's glorious. Ooh, 750. Are you ready, Lisa? 
Let's go. Here we go. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to start doing like Roxanne. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The first thing I want you to write down, if you're writing notes, and you're going to do it really fast, because this is our memento, and I've got a lot of things for you to think about. Number one, faith is your reality. Faith is your reality. Christian, faith is not a risk. Faith is your reality. Walking by faith is not risky. Stepping out there in faith is not risky. Not believing is risky. Faith is the assurance. Faith is the title deed. It is the evidence. It is the substance. goes against everything you know in the natural. feels risky, but it's not. It's the surest thing you can do is walk by faith. Faith is your reality. Look at verse 2. For by it, by what? By it, the elders obtained a good testimony. The elders obtained. It's not talking about the elders down at the Presbyterian church, which I hope they did. I'm sure they did. We're talking about the, our, the forefathers of our faith, all right? The elders obtained a good testimony. All right, write this down. Faith changes your story. See, you were, you were one thing, lost in sin, dead in your trespasses, but then Jesus came into your life, and guess what? Now you have become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now you've become a child of the living God. Faith, your faith in God, changed your story, didn't it? He says, the elders obtained a good report. It's interesting when you look at the, old, the New Testament, uh, what the New Testament says about King David compared to the Old Testament, what the New Testament says about Abraham compared to the Old Testament, what the New Testament says about Moses compared to the Old Testament. It's like, uh, God, did you forget about all their sin and their, their weaknesses and all that? Yeah, sure did. Sure did. They put their faith in Jesus. Their story changed. All I see is good. All I see are righteous people. I really did forget about their sins. And if he forgot about their sins, my family, he forgot about your sins. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. See, God didn't have, hold this thing over people's head. I can forgive, but I can't forget. He didn't do that. He ain't, he's not a jerk like we are. Amen. He forgives and he forgets. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I don't know how he does that. Well, one, and I can help you tonight if, you, if you're one of those who thinks that you'll never forget it. Stop thinking about it for one thing. Yeah. Stop talking about it for another thing. And you'll be surprised how quickly you can actually forget about it. It won't sting you so bad anymore. Hmm? It won't hurt so bad anymore. I'm talking from experience, okay? By faith we understand that the worlds were framed. Watch. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Number three thing, faith helps you understand the power of words. If God created a world with words and you're made in his image, what kind of world do you want to create for yourself? It's going to happen by the words that come out of your mouth. Yeah, amen. Mm. Makes you want to put a little guard on that gate, doesn't it? Amen. Hesitate before I, mm, before I get on social media and... <laughs> It helps you understand the power of your words. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. Did you see that? God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Woo, wow. Faith moves you to give generously. That was the, they both gave, but Abel gave generously in this. 
he brought God the best. The scripture says that Cain, over time, brought something. If I got something left over, I'll throw it in the offering bucket. But Abel took God seriously. He said, I want you to have the best and the first. Hmm? Faith moves you to give generously. It was by faith that Abel did that. Look, look at the next one. Uh, by faith, Enoch, I love Enoch, was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. Wow. Did you see that? Did not see death. See, when we hear people say, well, the Lord took him, they died. But in the scripture, when God takes them, they don't die. Got to get that dirt off our windshields. <laughs> huh? Well, the Lord took him. No, no, no. When people, when somebody drives drunk and gets killed in a car accident, God didn't take them. They killed themselves. All right, let's take responsibility for our act. I'm not just talking about it. I'm just saying most of the time we die because, well, come on. We live in a world with imperfect people. Hmm? Stuff happens in this world. Don't give God credit for people dying. He came to give life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But if you know if you die as a Christian, he does welcome you. He takes you right into his arms, but he didn't snuff your life out. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor Eric. Thank you. Thank you. And was not found because God had taken for before he had this testimony that he pleased God. One day Enoch's walking along. He's just walking along with God, walking by faith. And one day God said, you know what, Enoch? You're closer to my house than you are to yours. Why don't you just come home and live with me? He said, sounds good to me, God. And he just said, off the planet. Interesting. Oh, faith supersedes natural law. There's things that we say are sure. Definites in life, death and taxes. Not if you're Enoch. <laughs> Might have had to pay taxes, but he didn't see death. Because faith supersedes even natural laws. Why? Wow, isn't that powerful? Without faith, verse 6, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. How many of you believe that he is? Oh, that's not all he wants you to believe. He didn't want you to know that there's the man upstairs, there's the big guy in the sky. No, no, no. Listen, he wants you to know more. He wants you to know he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Hallelujah. This means he wants to have a relationship with you, and he wants to bless you, and he wants to get things to you. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God. So this next thought is faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. I like that. He just wants to be believed. He's pleased if you just believe him. Verse 7, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with God the fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, say me and my house, All right, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Faith is deliverance for you and your family. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. It became the theme of how they preached the gospel. If you'll believe on the Lord, you and all your house will be saved. Thank God for that. Faith is deliverance for you and your whole family. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. Kind of the story of my life right there. Where are we going, honey? Here's what, here's what faith is. Faith knows even when you don't know. Faith knows even when you don't know. And faith is action taken based upon information given from a reliable source. If Brian tells me, I want you to meet me, where was that Mexican food place we ate at in Irving? Uh, Tacos El Pastor. That's the name of it? Tacos El Pastor. I highly recommend Tacos El Pastor in Irving, Texas. Not far from One Cause Irving. So if you tell me we're going to meet over there at noon, well, guess what? I've just received information 
from somebody I know to be a reliable source, so I'm going to take action on that by faith and believe that he's going to be there and meet me there at the time he says he's going to meet me there. Verse 9, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise, speaking of Abraham, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, with the heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Faith gives you vision. Faith gives you vision that continues beyond your lifetime. He dwelt in tents with Isaac, his son, Jacob, his grandson. Abraham was going to have generations following him, following God. Next, verse 11. Are you still with me? By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She judged, you can judge God, but you can only judge him one way, faithful. <laughs> judge him, she judged him faithful. She received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age. Faith bears fruit in barrenness. Faith bears fruit in barrenness. It's the perfect place for faith to work. Hallelujah. Verse 12, therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, <laughs> were born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Another thought about faith, that faith can bring abundant life out of that which is dead. It says it was an innumerable descendants, innumerable descendants. What just, it started with that one Isaac, but man, it's still multiplying today. These all died in faith. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. Okay, here's, here's what this means for you and I. Faith is the awareness that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. No, we're citizens of a kingdom, of a heavenly place, a heavenly Jerusalem. This is not... There, everything there is to life. Hallelujah. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Now, this is the thing I love about faith. Faith says it how it is. Faith says it how it is. You might not see it, but that doesn't mean it's not real. They seek a homeland. I know that heaven's real. Why? Because I believe it. Because the Word of God says it. Amen. Who here has not been to China? Let me see your hand. You believe China's there? How do you know? You've never seen it. You've never been there. How do you know? How do you know it's there? Because you heard somebody tell you. Because you read it in a book. See, you're going to believe something. You're going to believe somebody. Why not believe God? Amen. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. Boy, here's the temptation. When things get tough, when God's taking you on this faith walk, all of a sudden things get tough, you start remembering how good things used to be. I just want to go back here. It was so much more comfortable. Things, oh, those were the days God was really moving back then. Okay, well, good. But what's he doing now? I remember when I was a kid, we used to sing this song. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. Y'all can have that. <laughs> I like the song, though. It's kind of catchy. Faith never looks back. 
Faith never looks back. Always, faith is the substance of those things that are hoped for. Hope is out there in the future. Amen. Verse 16, but now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Oh, I like that. Faith is the desire for better. You know there's better because when God's on your side, you know there's always something better to have. He's the God of more than enough. He'll supply your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You might have it good right now, but I'm I'm here to tell you there is better because your God is always better and he always has better things in store for you. Amen. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said in Isaac shall your seed be called. He offered up his only son, his only son. Wow. Faith is total surrender to God. Faith is total surrender to God. That Isaac would even, I mean, Abraham would even be willing to give God, give up his own son for God. Verse 19, concluding that God was able, now we know what was happening there, right? We know why God was asking him this. Now, Abraham did not have to slay his son, but he did get close. He got him up on that mountain, tied him down to that altar and drew the knife to kill him because he was going to obey God. He trusted God. And then God said, da, 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 stop. Now I know. Now I know you won't withhold anything, anything from me. Now I know you're totally surrendered. But what was happening here is God was in covenant with this man. And when people are in covenant, they each give equal parts in the covenant. Abraham willingly gave his son. Woo! Now what did God owe? He owed his son. Now God had entrance Instead of invading the earth with his son, no, I have a friend I owe my son to. And guess what? Anybody can believe on him. That's the secret. That's the genius behind it. It was for Abraham, but really it was for all of us who are children of Abraham. Hallelujah. All of us who will believe. Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor Eric. I know. Thank you. Uh, concluding that God was able to raise him, watch this, and concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative. So Abraham had put the thing together. As he's marching there toward the mountain, he's got Isaac with him, he's got his servants, and he says he sees the mountain, he tells the servants, stay here, and the boy and I are going to go yonder and worship, and we will return. Abraham didn't hear that from God. He said that your boy's going to be a pile of ashes by the end of this day. Hmm? But he said, well, the light and I are going to return. We're going to go worship, and we're going to return. All right, so something's happening. Abraham had already seen this thing in his heart. So he thought, okay, God said, wait, 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 God made me a promise. And he said, in Isaac, my seed will be blessed. It's going to be through him that I'm going to have multiple descendants. Okay, so God said that, and now he says to go slay him on a mountain. Okay, okay, I, okay, okay. In Isaac, your seed will be blessed, mm-hmm. plus Isaac, a pile of ashes on the mountain, equals God has to raise him from the dead. That has to be it. He concluded that God was able to raise him up from the dead because he figured he already received him back in the figurative sense. He saw Isaac dead and raised from the dead, and God said, that's all I need. Now I can send you my son. Faith's motto is God is able. Huh? I don't know what you're facing tonight, but I want you to get this in your mouth tonight. God is able. I don't care how difficult it is. God is able. You might not be able, but God is able. Hey, and by the way, when you understand that God is able, then you'll figure out that you're able because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Let's keep going. Abraham, 
Okay, by faith, verse 20, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, verse 21, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph in worship, leaning on the top of his staff. This is strange. Verses 20 and 21 take time to tell what these guys did by faith in God. We've seen some pretty great things done by faith so far. And this one says that Isaac blessed his sons and and, uh, uh, Jacob blessed his grandsons. What? I mean, I know these guys' story. They did some pretty great things by faith, and you're calling that? Yeah, that makes the list really important to God, isn't it? By faith, they bless their children. By faith, they bless their children. Take the time to lay your hands on your children and call them blessed, because that's important to God. Things get transferred in that moment. Things happen. Those are life-changing moments. You're establishing a pathway for that child. A destiny, right. speaking destiny into that, speaking the blessing right. of God over them. It'll change their life forever. Faith is an inheritance to your children and to your grandchildren. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. 25% of Genesis is written on Joseph, and this is what it has to say about him. He said, someday you are going to leave out of here, and oh yeah, by the way, take my bones when you go. That's what he said. This is Joseph. Are you kidding me? A man of integrity, a man who always did the right thing. A man who rose to power in Egypt. Oh man, what, was, what, was hap- what is this telling us? What is, why is this important to us that this guy talked about his bones? Because Jacob... I mean, Joseph knew that just down the road, the children of Israel were going to come out of slavery. They're going to go into slavery first, but then be brought out and go to a land of promise that God had promised them. And he said, I'll be dead by then, but I don't want to, I don't want to be buried there for good. I want you to pick up my casket. And I want you to take it with you when you go. And that's exactly what they did. And think about this. For 40 years, they wandered around the desert with Joseph's casket. And then finally, the Bible tells us later on that Joshua ended up taking his bones in there and buried him in a place called Shechem, right there in the promised land. Why is that important? Just so you know that you're saved of the bone. God didn't just come to save your spirit. He came to save your soul and he came to save your body. When your body goes into the ground, that's not the final day. That's not the end because there's a day when the trumpet's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise from the dead because God wants every bit of you. Hallelujah. You're so saved. You're saved down to the very bone. And your bones are going with you to the promised land. Hallelujah. Your spirit's going to get there first probably, but it's all right. Your bones will catch up. Verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. I go, really? They weren't afraid? Why are they hiding him then? Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Look what this says about Moses, esteeming the reproach of Christ. Christ? Christ wasn't even aware around. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. It's like God's like making up a new story about this guy. (laughs) By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Really, he wasn't fearing the wrath of the king. Why did he flee to Egypt then? Why did he run? Because he killed a guy and he ran for his life. 
Okay, for he endured a seeing him who was invisible. Moses defended his Hebrew brother, killed him, and then fled for his life and was gone for 40 years. All right? But something was going on in faith that we couldn't see. When you read the story, you can't see all that happening. God saw something completely different because he's looking at this man's heart. This is what faith does. Faith sanctifies your motives. Faith sanctifies your motives. When God saw that he believed him, he saw that everything Moses did was stellar. (laughs) Oh, I know why he's running away from there. (laughs) Because he wants to escape the passing pleasures of sin. (laughs) And esteem the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of Egypt. What? See, this is, you see what faith does? How God sees those who walk by faith? It's like you can do no wrong. <laughs> this is beautiful. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Faith is the access. Ooh, faith is the access to the saving power of the blood. I got to keep moving. By faith, he passed through, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so were drowned. Faith is your deliverance and your enemy's demise. Faith is your deliverance, your enemy's demise. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Faith is greater than your trouble. Now, I'm talking about faith in God. You understand that's what I mean when I'm just saying that faith in God is greater than your trouble. I just had to shorten it a little bit. Verse 31, by faith, the harlot Rahab. The harlot Rahab, the hooker Rahab, the prostitute Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Well, faith gives you a new life. I mean, she got such a new life that there she was running a sawdust on the floor brothel in the wall of Jericho. And these spies show up because they're going to go look at these Jews. She said, y'all, co- y'all come in here, boys. <laughs> And he doesn't say they argued with her either. Okay. <laughs> so they go in there and she hides them. She hides them and she says, listen, we've heard about you guys. We heard you were coming. We heard about Israel. We heard about what God did for you in Egypt. We heard that he split the sea and these people, their hearts melted within them with fear. Now I'm asking you, the fact that I'm putting my neck out for you, would you please make sure that we don't die? Please spare our lives. We know this thing's coming down. Please spare our lives. And they said, we will do that. We will do that. And they gave her a scarlet rope. And they said, put this in your window. So, I mean, she, there she is up in the wall of this thing. And she puts her scarlet, window out the, uh, uh, scarlet rope out the window. And the whole wall fell flat except Rahab's house. And everybody, all of her family were with her. And they said, you know what? Since uh, everybody that you know is dead, except for your family, won't you just come be a part of our family? She became part of their family, married one of them, check this out, and made it in the lineage of Christ. Jesus, great, 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 great grandmother. Prostitute. Wow. Faith gives you a new life. I mean, that's how redeemed she got. Hallelujah. Verse 32, what more shall I say for the time would tell me to... What failed me to tell of Gideon and Obama and Samson and Jephthah, also of uh, David and Samuel and the prophets, <laughs> who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valued in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. There's a band name. 
Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. That's a martyr's resurrection. We don't have time to talk about that. Still others had a trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. <clears throat> this part gets me every time. <clears throat> they were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Lastly, faith is your arrival at perfection. You just got a 25-point sermon in about 20 minutes. That part of the message, not the whole thing. <laughs> All right. If you go to another church, let's see if your pastor can do that. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really am. Last thought. Can you give me five minutes? Okay. Can you give me ten? <laughs> nope. That's it. Five is all I get. Okay. All right. So I want to bring this, all, this, this whole thing back around to uh, full circle to Jesus. He's the great high priest. He's the eternal mediator between God and man. He never stops praying for us. He ever lives, the scripture says, to make intercession for us. Don't you know? Isn't that good to know that Jesus is praying for you right now? He's praying for you. He loves you. He's on your side. He's on your side. See, he gets you. He gets you. God's not so distant. He was so distant, but he's not so distant. Because now we have a man seated there next to God. The Son of God and the Son of Man is seated there on our behalf. He looks like us. When he called out of heaven to Paul, he said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. You're sitting on the throne in heaven and you're, you say you're from Nazareth? Yeah, that's my hometown. Who is this man that he loves being a man? He loves relating to us. The scripture says he's not ashamed to call us family. Now, I've got some family members. <coughs> I'm ashamed to call my family. <laughs> You're laughing because you got them too. You got, everybody got that creepy uncle, right? I mean, what, there's, all, there's, there's always, but Jesus ain't ashamed of any of us. How could we ever be ashamed of him? If he ain't ashamed of me, what right do I have to be ashamed of him? I mean, if anybody has the right to be ashamed in this relationship, isn't it him? But he's not. He's not. He's not ashamed of you. Doesn't that make you feel good to know that he's not ashamed of you? Yeah. You might be ashamed of you, but he's not. So if he's not, why don't you get over it too, huh? Amen. Amen. Don't let shame and guilt tear you up like that. Hey, Jesus ain't ashamed of me. Oh, that's good. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. So, so Jesus didn't put in conditions on this shame. He's not ashamed as long as you're doing right. No, he's not ashamed to call you brethren. Family. He knows you can be a knucklehead. The book of Hebrews unveils Christ as the one who is greater than each of those types and shadows that we talked about that were pointing to him in the old covenant. Moses was the great lawgiver, 
that Christ was the perfect fulfillment of the law. The high priest in the Old Testament offered these sacrifices every year for the sins of himself and for the people. And he had to go once a year back to this place called the Holy of Holies and bring blood and, and for the sins of the people and himself. Once a year. But the scripture says Jesus entered behind the veil once for all. Without sin, but with his blood. And he speaks of this messianic, messianic prophecy that was written about him. It says, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This sounds like it's straight out of some, uh, out of Narnia or uh, C.S. Lewis book or Tolkien book or something. I'm a priest. I dub thee a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the priest that met Abraham. And Abraham gave him the tithe of the spoils of war. We don't know, know very little about him. Even the Hebrew says he's mysterious because they don't know anything about his genealogy, where he came from. It's like he disappeared out of nowhere. So he's like Christ in that way, and Christ is like him in that way, that is no beginning and no end of days. Even though the guy did have that, they just had no record of it. But Jesus says, you're a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus didn't follow in with that Levitical priesthood, which means he didn't come to bring the law and to establish the law. He came to fulfill it in himself. Hallelujah. And he, his priesthood is according to the power of an endless life. Oh, that's good news. Now listen to this right quick and I'm done. Jesus, our high priest, is a merciful and faithful high priest who is able to bring aid to those who are tempted. He is a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. That is shown to be a higher order than that of Levi because it's according to the power of an endless life. Jesus is a high priest who has been sworn in by an oath made by God. These other priests were not sworn in by an oath made by God. They were appointed by man. But Jesus was sworn in by God. He is our perfect high priest who is able to offer himself as the perfect sacrifice once and for all of us. Hallelujah. He is the high priest but he's also a king. He is the high priest of a heavenly sanctuary, not an earthly one. He is our high priest, the scripture says in Hebrews 9:11, of the good things to come. I love that. He's watching over and making sure good things keep coming into your life. He is our high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. That's what I'm saying. He gets you because he was tempted just like you are. He walked the earth. He felt the things you felt. He knows. The devil tempted him. He knows what you're, he, he sympathizes with your weakness, but the scripture says, yet without sin. So not only does he sympathize with your weakness, but he also helps you understand you don't have to stay weak, my family. You can overcome. You don't have to sin because he is in you. Hallelujah. And because you're in him. And through him, we have access into the holy place. He is the mediator of a better covenant. And the scripture says that he is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Thank you, Lord, for that. Jesus is so, so, so on your side tonight. And this, this is what this book teaches us, that his blood brought us who were far away right near to God. Thank God for Jesus. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can we just take a minute and just raise our hands and just bless Jesus? Remember the scripture says uh, to offer up the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. 
When we lift our hands, it's, it's an extension of us. We're saying, Lord, I, I, I'm reaching out to you. I love you. I want to make contact with you in this realm. Hallelujah. It's also, it's also a, a sign of surrender that you're saying, God, you've got all of me. I'm lifting my hands as high as I can. You've got all of me. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you that you gave me all of you. It's only right and reasonable that I give you all of me. Thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus that washed away all of our sins. Thank you that Jesus Christ, our high priest, thank you, Jesus, that you're there on our behalf and your blood is speaking better things than that of Abel. Your blood is speaking forgiveness and reconciliation, salvation and deliverance and healing. Hallelujah. Thank you. Grace, 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 grace is poured upon your lips. Thank you for that. Hallelujah. We bless you, our high priest. We bless you, our king. We bless you, our savior, our Lord. Thank you for tonight. Thank you, Lord, that we live in you. In you we live and move and have our being. Thank you for that. And you are there ensuring good things coming into our life. God became a man. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And we know as long as Jesus Christ is there at the right hand of God, we all as mankind have hope eternal. Thank you for that. Bless every family here. Bless every individual here tonight, God. Under the sound of my voice, I declare peace and grace to be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you that no evil shall befall them and no plague shall come near their dwelling. Father God, I thank you that they are established in righteousness and no weapon formed against them will prosper in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father God, that you are with them and you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all other ways. Thank you that they go in the blessing of the Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. And tonight when they go home and everything gets shut down and they lay their head on that pillow tonight in their bed, they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make them dwell in safety. And when they rise in the morning, they will rise with a song on their heart and praise on their lips. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for these things. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.